When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello there, guys. Daniel Childs back here again for another show and another edition of The Breakdown where we look at some Chelsea trends, Chelsea stats and performances in a little bit more detail and the main focus of today's show is Christopher Nkunku and the past that could change Chelsea. Please do let me know in the comments below your thoughts on this format, some of the things you've noticed that maybe I don't include in today's episode because there's some big things regarding Chelsea at the moment and hopefully a little bit more positive as we head into 20. 24. We're mainly going to be focusing on the previous game against Crystal Palace, which saw Christopher Nkunku make his first start for Chelsea since signing from RB Leipzig last summer. And I really do think that as a player, technically, I think his decision making in the final third, and he's already scored a goal in the Premier League. Uh, as many as Rasmus Hoyland has for Man United. And we're going to get to Hoyland and Nicholas Jackson because the second part of today's show focuses on Nicholas Jackson but firstly with Christopher Nkunku his involvement in Chelsea's opening goal against Crystal Palace which I think really demonstrated his quality in tight spaces his ability on the ball to make passes that few other players can and his quickness of thinking and why as we saw Briefly during preseason, he is going to be an integral player for Mauricio Pochettino and just how much we've missed him throughout basically the first half of the season. So I've got some screenshots here from Scout, just looking back at the game and firstly got to give so much credit to Malo Gusto who very much started this move that led to Mudrick's goal and created it himself, got the assist. But really, as you can see here with this first screenshot, Nkunku has the ball, and he tries to play a pass into the feet of Mikhailo Mudrik, who makes a nice run. But then it gets blocked, it gets well blocked, and it returns to him. And I think a lot of players in maybe this position maybe lose the ball, maybe try to make a pass towards Nicholas Jackson and gets blocked again, and we, we sort of see this move die and completely get eradicated and Chelsea then maybe lose possession and maybe have a threat of being done on transition, which we saw throughout the game against Crystal Palace. But the quickness of thinking, the angle of pass that Christopher Nkunku then decides to play very quickly towards Malogasto, who's ran behind him and is going in from the left, completely 
revives the move, opens up the pitch and puts Chelsea in an amazing position to score, which Malo Gusto helps by playing it across to to Mikhailo Mudrik, who then finishes the chance beyond Dean Henderson. And Liam Toomey very much focused in on this pass and why Nkunku can be the spark for a better Chelsea. This was his post-match piece for The Athletic. I definitely suggest, and I'll link this down below, go and read the piece in full. And there's some interesting Pochettino quotes within there as well. But just want to pick up this bit. He says, there will be many more obvious moments of elite skill in the Premier League this season, but in terms of spatial awareness, football IQ, speed of thought and technical execution, it was top tier and it encapsulated what Chelsea have been sorely lacking in the final third during a miserable first half of the season. Christopher Nkunku is still far away from his best. Head coach Mauricio Pochettino said after the 2-1 win, he needs time, but he is still a very intelligent player who can connect, th connect things. And I think... We talk about sort of passing from a deeper area for Chelsea. I have definitely been frustrated by central midfield not playing kind of defence splitting passes. But then also in that final third, when it is so congested and tight, I think the, the hope for Nkunku adapting to the Premier League is what he's going to be able to do is finish chances. But then also when you come up against a team as physical and there's so many bodies in and around those tight areas, I, I was so impressed watching Nkunku a lot for Leipzig in the sense that he could do a lot of things well. But I think one of the things that most impressed me about him was his ability in those tight areas, in and around the box, of being able to have that quick thinking to connect play with others. Sometimes he would play a pass like that and actually be on the end of the chance that then gets played back to him. But in this position, he was integral to keeping that move alive. And it's really exciting to see what he could produce moving forward now he has returned to fitness. The other player I want to focus in on today's show is Nicholas Jackson because Jackson has been on the end of a lot of harsh criticism. Now, I'm not here to try and dismiss that criticism. The chance he missed against Crystal Palace was really poor. He should be hitting the target. There's kind of no excuse for it. It was an amazing ball by Conor Gallagher. It wasn't like Gallagher played a ball that was hard for him to run onto. It was perfectly weighted. And it was sort of a chance that, as a striker, you'd wish to have. It wasn't one where he was having to do a lot of work on his own. It was a first-time finish. Dean Henderson has come out. The goal is gaping. He needs to put it in the back of the net. He had a pretty woeful display, like many Chelsea players, against Wolves. He's raw. He's erratic. These are words I've used on a consistent basis to describe Nicholas Jackson. But I do think the analysis and overboard criticism of him has just been a little bit silly to me when you look at what the expectation level for Jackson was and actually all round things that we saw against Crystal Palace, which I just think is a bit disingenuous to just deny he did. And especially with Nkunku returning, I think there's a lot to be positive about. I want to pull up some opinions from, from Twitter that people I respect were, were making about Nicholas Jackson that I absolutely think are relevant. Firstly, here from Ollie Glanville, the ridiculous way Jackson's season has been viewed so far as well to me. Yes, he's missed chances. Spoilers. Every striker does, but he also creates, works hard and has scored important goals this season and is almost always in the right place at right time. Seb C, another great voice for Chelsea analysis. I don't think people realise how scary Jackson can become. 
back-to-goal strikers aren't meant to be quick. He can roll centre-backs. Quick strikers usually evade these receptions. Jackson can become as good as Lukaku with more finesse to carry and link up, which Romelu was good at. And then finally here from Joe, recent Jackson discourse is flat-out disingenuous, which is what I said. He's been largely fantastic in most aspects of centre-forward play. His link-up, hold-up, channel running, dropping deep, runs in behind and presses, plus is the top scorer. Oh, he's missing chances like every other striker in football. Okay. Oh, he's inconsistent as a 22-year-old. Okay. If those are your criticisms and you jump to not good enough to lead the line, the logical inconsistency slaps you in the face. I have made this comparison a lot and... (laughs) I know some people may, I've seen some people respond is like neither of these two players are good enough, but I think it says a lot about some of the analysis and unfair analysis and maybe double standards by some people, given the way Timo Werner was backed, despite the fact that already Jackson has surpassed his goal tally for the first season. And I don't think it's going to take him long, to be honest, to surpass his overall Premier League goal tally for Chelsea. This was a player, Werner, who was, I think, two or three years older when he arrived at Chelsea cost more and there was a higher expectation level he'd played a lot more football and had played at a higher level for longer Jackson hasn't and for me is already doing a lot more and I know that some people tried to dismiss and say well look Chelsea are 11th in the table they're not doing as well as Man United but I think the Hoyland Man United comparison is apt because this again was another young striker who came in with a lot of hype and I've already seen people say that it doesn't really matter about the numbers between those two players Hoyland has a higher ceiling and I just don't get that it it, you know I think when you make that kind of analysis you're actually helping Jackson's case because if Jackson was so useless technically inept not good enough then why has he scored as many goals as he has and we're going to show you examples right now of that build-up that means that he's doing a lot of things well he's helping other players get into some really good positions and why as a young player I think this is a good starting point for Nicholas Jackson. Firstly here, we're going to look at the build-up that led to a Mikhailo Mudrik chance. Chelsea have already gone 1-0 up. And you see here actually this kind of front four that Chelsea have. We have kind of seen in build-up at times Chelsea in possession having effectively two centre-forwards. Here it's Nkunku and Nicholas Jackson. And you have Ian Matson playing as a right-winger. Mikhailo Mudrik on the left here. It's a nice build-up. I think I've got to give credit to Mikhailo Mudrik. He'd done a lot of good work of, of being able to receive the ball in a tight area, explode, find Moises Casado. And here what Jackson does is so good. He pulls Mark Gerhi, who's a very good centre-back, out of position. He drags him across, which then opens up the space brilliantly as Moises Casado finds Nicholas Jackson. Mikhailo Mudrik has that open space to run into. Jackson holds up the ball well. A lovely back kill into the feet of Mikhailo Mudrik. And that potentially there, if Mudrik is more clinical, can lead to a 2-0 lead for Chelsea and Jackson is getting more credit. That's a brilliant piece of centre-forward play that if Costa's doing it, if Drogba's doing it, if Olivier Giroud is doing it, we're giving him credit for it. That's what I want beyond just scoring goals. I think that's that's brilliant centre-forward play. I don't... What else could he do in that position? I, I don't know what else we could really be asking of Jackson. That's what you want if they're not giving you goals, right? Here, I think in the second case, this is more impressive to me because Jackson, from a physical point of view, really proved that he can get better in this aspect. So Chelsea are on the break. Again here, Jackson is up against Mark Gurhey. 
and Anderson. A really good centre-back partnership for, for Crystal Palace. I think both of those players are really physically imposing. I think they formed a really good partnership for Roy Hodgson. And he's got a lot of work to do here. And he has the physical challenge of Anderson. But he shakes off and basically shrugs off Anderson, who's not a small player, onto the floor. He rolls him. He then opens up his body. And it allows Christopher Nkunku to make that run beyond Richards. It's a brilliant ball. I think it's a first-time ball that's played into Nkunku. Richards actually does really well for Palace to try and salvage the move. It could have been a penalty again. That could have led to another Chelsea goal. This is two times where Jackson, in terms of centre-forward build-up, in transition, and also just with his back-to-goal, has done perfectly. Again, I don't. In these two situations, he has effectively set up amazing chances for Chelsea to score goals. And again, it gets dismissed, it gets overlooked. But these are overall centre forward things that I didn't see Kai Havertz doing on a consistent basis. He, I, I, I wouldn't have backed him to get into these positions and do these things. And I, I think it shows you and it proves to you that there is a lot more to come from Nicholas Jackson. The goal scoring has to get better. He has to get more clinical, but he's 22 years old. And when you actually look at the number of minutes he's played and the burden that's been put on him, this is a point I've made, but others have as well. I think now, fingers crossed that Nkunku plays well, he's influential and he stays fit. I actually think, and I thought this during preseason, that if Nkunku stayed fit, I think the pressure on Jackson would be a lot less because really, I feel like the burden of goals, creativity, just being the powerhouse within this attack for Chelsea, I think really was meant to be Christopher Nkunku. And you just see it throughout preseason and now how integral that player is going to be. So Jackson being the leading man, the man who's supposed to do everything for Chelsea, was not going to be as big of a burden on his shoulders that it has been because Nkunku got injured. But now he's back. I really hope that chemistry and connection that we saw in preseason and we saw against Crystal Palace can continue to be developed. The final thing I want to speak about in today's show is more of a general thing around Pochettino. I tweeted this out and it got a lot of reactions over why I'm not personally of the belief that Pochettino is the problem. Now, I think looking at some numbers, I do think, and just, you know, you don't need to look at numbers. I think in terms of Chelsea's frailties as a team, defensively, I'm massively concerned about our set-piece fragility. The fact that we continue to concede goals either at set-pieces or from set-pieces, high balls into the box, somehow finding their ways to unopposed attackers, opposition players to be able to score very easily. That is something that needs to be counteracted and improved upon. Some of that, again, it's a balance between head coach, tactical structure, and also individuals taking command of situations a lot better. I do put the blame on Levi Colwell, for instance, in situations like the McTominay goal uh, against Man United, against you know the Everton goal. I think that it isn't just... We can't always just solely go... It's tactical structure, it's patterns of play, it's this, it's that. There's got to be some responsibility on players. And I expect at kind of a basic level at this Premier League level, when a ball goes into the box, I expect players of the level of Benoit Badia-Shill, Axel Dezassi, Thiago Silva and Levi Colwell to manage those situations a lot better. And, and I think that, again, it's not all just on Pochettino. But the reason I want to stick with Mauricio Pochettino is quite simple. And it's from a creative point of view that Chelsea have been woeful at in recent years. And, and this is what I'm going to look at. So what we're seeing here on uh, FootMob, which is I think is a really good app, to be honest. I've, I've only recently started using it, but it has a lot of good info and, and stats to, to break down from a, from a Chelsea point of view. Here we see from an attacking point of view, Chelsea goals per match. They're about their ninth, which is only slightly higher than their league position. 
not that surprising in terms of our finishing. But then you move on to move over to expected goals. Chelsea are second to Newcastle United, who also are quite close to Chelsea in the league. Both of those teams underperforming their XG. And it shows that Chelsea, from an expected goals point of view, are creating good chances. And that, for me, in terms of when you link that with, as you can see down here, so you've got XG, expected goals, and in terms of big chances missed, Chelsea are top of that table. It's the only table Chelsea are top of, other than penalties awarded, which we've got quite a few this year to the benefit of uh, Nodi Menawake the other night and Cole Palmer. It shows you that those two right there, for me, signaled that Chelsea is a creative team and under Pochettino are getting into some very good areas. And it's here where, again, I come to player responsibility and why you simply cannot have these numbers and expect to go anywhere. And it's on players to finish chances. I don't want to hear that Pochettino is not setting Chelsea up to create the right kind of opportunities, simply because the Raheem Sterling chance against Wolves is a microcosm of all this, right? No manager in world football can be blamed for that level of incompetence in the final third. They just can't. It has to be 1-0. It has to be a goal. And I, it, you don't even have to look at a level of player. I could, I, I would have more confidence at times that a conference team would get that situation right. It is schoolboy. It's, it's not even schoolboy. It's just baffling at times how Chelsea managed to not score from promising opportunities. And when I look back to Thomas Tuchel's time at Chelsea, all right, Chelsea were higher in the league. But from an XG point of view, from a from an ability of getting into good areas on a consistent basis, my big concern with that team consistently, and you can roll back the tape, you can find my criticisms of it. From an XG point of view, Chelsea were pretty poor. They were actually lower in the league. Now, maybe you go to an analysis that that's why XG doesn't really matter. And actually, the wider picture is Chelsea are, yeah, factually a worse team right now. But I didn't think under Tuchel we were going to get any better. And over a longer period of time, especially in the league, Chelsea were going like that. And I think that under Pochettino, if I'm seeing numbers like this, I think defensively Chelsea have absolutely got worse. And, and just to be fair, let's look at some of the defensive numbers so far this season, which you know aren't great for Pochettino, especially in recent weeks. Goals conceded per match, Chelsea are pretty much where they are, 1.5, which is 10th in the league. XG conceded, Chelsea are a little bit lower, 26.8. A lot of that has come since the November international break. Same for clean sheets. I don't think that it's like we're a woeful creative team. I don't see us as a team absolutely incapable of finding the right players in the final third, getting ourselves into good positions, creating transition opportunities. It then comes to maybe a cultural, psychological confidence thing. Is it the case that in you know Nicholas Jackson needs more refinement, needs to be a more clinical player, needs more experience to be able to take those chances when he does receive them in pressurized situations? In another case, is it about having Nkunku on the pitch more consistently because then you do have more of a finished product there who is going to take those opportunities nine times out of ten. But then you look at a player like Raheem Sterling who I suspect should be and expect, you know, with all of his experience, should be a player finishing those chances. Why isn't he? Is it a mentality thing? It's I don't think it's just as simple as Chelsea are crap, all of our players are crap. Pochettino is crap. I just think that's a lazy analysis and I don't think changing the head coach is going to radically alter this. And I actually think, based on what I've seen of Chelsea in recent years from a creative attacking point of view, I see an improvement, but the improvement has to be solidified by actual chances being taken. But those two things right there, big chances missed and expected goals, 
don't reflect a team that are absolutely atrocious in the final third of being able to get into the right area. So if those numbers persist, I'd like to think over a longer period of time, those things will rectify themselves. And as I say, a variety of things, hopefully players remaining fit, hopefully key players being influential like in Kunku, Raheem Sterling having better decision making and Jackson getting better as a centre forward. I think all those things will hopefully come together to create a better Chelsea. But it's just why to me, if if those numbers drop significantly and Chelsea reverted back to a place where in an XG point of view, we were creating barely any good looks at goal. We became a team that was very low risk very limited in our ability to break down our position and it's not the case that Pochettino has has been amazing at breaking down low blocks I it'd be silly to sit here and tell you that but it's not like in those games we've created absolutely nothing which then again comes to the final third of Chelsea having a clinical edge which then maybe to some of you goes to the January transfer window and us recruiting a player in the final third who will offer that clinical edge but we know Chelsea aren't the best in the transfer window of finding those players and those players coming in and executing to the way we'd want them to. So those are my thoughts today. Let me know yours. Comment below. If you did like the video, please do hit that like button. Please share it around with fellow Chelsea fans to get more people involved in the community. Thank you for listening on the podcast as well. Follow me across socials at Son of Chelsea and I will see you again very soon. All the best. Sports Social Podcast Network.